Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Yeah. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here at LifePoint Church. And if you're a guest with us today, especially if this is your first time here, thank you so, so very much for being with us here. This is week two for us in our our new home, our brand new home, and uh, we are so excited that you're here. Thank you. Uh, we still got a long way to go. There's a lot of trees to plant and stuff to happen. Matter of fact, if you come again, if you're a guest with us, next week it'll look even different than it does today. It's constantly being finished. And we just decided we didn't care if it was finished or not. We were coming. And so we did. And uh, there's parking weirdness. And I just hope you'll be patient with all of that. Some of you parked in Afghanistan. And uh, hopefully you got picked up by a golf cart to bring you over here to this part of the world. Um, but we're so, so, so happy you're here. We're in a relationship series, if you didn't know, from that beautiful song. By the way, Jordan and Monty, I don't if you're still in here. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And they're married, so if they look at each other like that, it's, it's all good, y'all. It's all good. Uh, but we're so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Hey, today is an exciting day because today's baptisms. Uh, we do baptisms once a month. Sometimes people go, hey, can I get baptized? And it's not the time for baptism. We make it happen. Um, but it's one of the best days. And I, I would just say to those of you who are maybe on the fence about it, um, that it's, uh, it's one of the great decisions you'll ever make in your life. Uh, the, de- the decision to go public with your faith and to just, uh, this is kind of a cheese ball way to say it, but to put on your Jesus jersey, you know what I'm saying? And so we're excited for that. If you want to do that with us today, we, we, you can go out to Next Step Central. It doesn't even have a sign yet. It will soon, but it doesn't have a sign yet. It's that thing out there in the hallway. Anyways, just there's a thing. Uh, it's like a booth or a table Whatever it is, it's there, and uh, we'd love for you to go check that out. Also, because this is such a new space for us, in our, in, our, in our last location, we did not have a family room, but right back over there in that general location, there's a room. So if, you, if your children get super happy or super mad or super bitter or whatever, we got a room now for you, and we won't be able to see you, but you'll be able to see us. We won't be able to hear you, and that will probably be okay. Um, we love kids. We love kids. Uh, we, we, we really do. But we just wanted you to know that that's there. Um, I got to tell you that we, um, part of what we do as a church is that we help other churches get planted, to get started. And we do that through an organization called ARC, the Association of Related Churches. It's not a denomination. It is, in fact, a church planting network. And, and as a church, you guys, we give thousands and thousands of dollars to help plant churches to this organization to help churches, but also to churches that, are, um, that we know. And we, 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 we support them. We fund them. We help them get going. And today, today, there are four brand new ARC churches starting, uh, and they are numbers 996, nine, or sorry, 896, 897. 890, whatever it is, there's four new churches that finish out at 900 ARC churches having been planted. And you're part of that, man. Thank you so much. And there's many of the ARC churches that have started that have become the largest churches in America in the top 10. There are multiple ARC churches uh, in, in terms of attendance and reach and networking. And so I just want to say thank you for helping us get there. Um, today, I... Uh, I want to wrap up this series, Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks, with a talk that I'm going to call If I Were You. Um, I have been married for, happily married for 22 years to that beautiful lady right over there on the front row. And um, I hope she's been happy as I have been, but I, I just, um, I realize all the time as I get older and older how, how amazing it is to be married to Rachel 
And um, so 22 years, years of marriage and 27 years of pastoral ministry, there's some things that I want to share. And I told my girls this beforehand so I wouldn't embarrass them. This is a message for my girls. I have a, girl, a daughter that's 13 years old and I have a daughter that's 16 years old. I'm not going to point them out or single them out in any way. They know who they are. Um, but this is a message for them. And if you want to listen in and, um, and want to learn from this, I would love that. Um, this is for single people today, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a young adult, whether you're older now, and um, whatever the case is that you're not married, uh, this is for you. And I want to start out with something that I've said here before, and I didn't come up with it. A pastor named Andy Stanley did, whose material we've borrowed during this series, and we give him credit all the way through. Genius, genius guy uh, in a lot of ways, but especially in this area. But there's this thing that he says that I, I have used, I've borrowed, stolen, whatever you want to call it, um, where he says this thing, are you the person you are looking for is looking for? Do you need some time on that one? Are, are you the person you're looking for is looking for? In, in other words, rather than focusing so much on finding Mr. or Mrs. Wright, what if we focus instead on becoming Mr. or Mrs. Wright? Um, every Friday night, every Saturday, single people all over the country make promises to one another, and they are, in fact, most of the time unable, unprepared to keep those promises, which we call wedding vows, and they come together, and they stand at an altar at a thing we call a wedding, they hold hands, they exchange rings, and then somebody like me, a pastor, priest, a justice of the peace, uh, one of their friends who went online and got ordained by something, um, they say, repeat after me, and they take vows, and every single weekend in the city, and in cities all over the country, single people are making promises they can't keep. Now, they mean to. They mean well when they do it. Don't get offended, single people. They, they mean to. They're not lying most of the time. Come on, somebody. It's just that they make promises that they're not prepared to keep. And then after they're married for sometimes weeks, months, a couple of years, whatever it is, they realize, you know what, I know what we said. I know what we promised. But, man, this is so hard to do. And they're sincere and their intentions are real, but they aren't prepared. And they assume something. Now, pay, lean in here. They assume something that they know is not the case in any other area of life. But in this particular area of marriage, they assume something that's not true. So if I were you, if I were you, I'd learn that promises are no substitute for preparation. Promises are no substitute for pressure, preparation. Knowing what I know now, I'm going to tell you that promises are not substitutes for preparation. If you are a long-distance runner, some of you are, some of you are long-distance runners, and you know that if you have a buddy that says, hey, I want to come run with you and do your thing, you're going to be like, mm, yo, you're not going to make it. You're going to pass out on mile two while I keep running. I'm not even going to stop for you because I told you you weren't ready, and you came in here. High school students know this. Your parents are like, you promised your parents, mom and dad, I'm going to kill the SATs. Did you prepare? Not so much, but I'm going to kill it anyways. Right? Like, 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 here's the thing. I have been meaning, I've been intending, I've actually promised myself that I was going to learn Spanish my whole life. I grew up in San Antonio, right? Now, I have two Hispanic brothers-in-laws, neither of which can speak any Spanish at all, so they have failed me in my attempts to be to be taught by them. Um, I was in Honduras this past week. As soon as this, the service was over last week, I got on a plane and flew to Honduras. 
And I was working with this, this organization called One Child Matters, and we were meeting with kids, hundreds and hundreds of kids, and it was incredible. And they were talking to me, but I didn't know what they were saying because all I knew was the bad words that they taught me on the west side growing up. <laughs> Can't tell them that. It's not good for their psyche or for the One Child Matters. I could promise you next week, guys, I promise you, if you come back, I'm going to preach this whole deal in Spanish, but I will fail. I will not deliver because I'm not prepared to do that. Promises are no substitute for preparation. And relationally, it's no different. So commitment is way overrated when it comes to marriage because if you commit to something you can't do, the commitment is worthless. And if you promise something you can't fulfill because you're unable, you're unprepared, the promise is worthless. Saying I do doesn't make you able, it just makes you accountable. And being accountable to something you cannot do is miserable unless you get prepared in advance. I remember reading this thing from Ron White, he was a comedian, and he got arrested one time for public drunkenness, and he said this famous thing, he said, I had the right to remain silent, but I did not have the ability to do so. <laughs> perp walk, perp walk. And um, as your pastor, for those of you who would call me that, I don't want you to promise something you're unable to deliver, nor do I want you to marry somebody who can't deliver on his or her promise. But I'm telling you, single people, I'm telling you, What's going to happen if you don't lean in and if you don't hear some wisdom from an old guy-ish uh, guy, old-ish guy, uh, you're, you're going to fall in love and you're going to think that your ability to, co to commit will override your lack of preparation. And worse than that, you're going to allow somebody you fall in love with to convince you that his or her track record is irrelevant and the patterns of their life so far up until this day are irrelevant, that the pathways that they've chosen till now don't really matter, that basically when he marries you, he's going to make a commitment and he's going to automatically change into the person that you're looking for and you need to understand a lack of preparation cannot be trumped by a promise on a wedding day promises don't matter if the person hasn't prepared and the great news for you because it sounds kind of negative is that between now and the time you get married I'm talking to my girls today you get to prepare amen okay I was just like anybody here still can I, I'm blinded so if you only get one thing out of this message, here's what I want you to say, hear me say. I want you to prepare to commit so that when you make a commitment, you can actually fulfill the promise. Now, here's the other thing, and I'm talking to my girls today, everybody, and, and here's what will happen. If you make a decision, if you get a clear vision of who you want to be and, and what kind of person you want to be with, if you make a decision to commit, uh, to prepare to commit, and, and you devote yourself to that what will happen is if you make this decision to prepare and you devote yourself to that, you'll be highly unlikely to marry somebody who is not also prepared to commit because your life will be moving in such a specific direction with such a clear vision that anybody whose life is not moving in the same direction, it will be in such conflict with your way of life that you won't be interested and perhaps the other person won't be interested in you either and that will be a good thing. And all the parents said, amen. Talking to my girls today. So I got two verses for you today. I'm going to read them to you. I'm going to explain them a bit. And then they're going to support and sort of be the foundation of the things that we'll finish with today. In the first verse, the, the writer Solomon, whom the Bible describes as the wisest person who, who lived, he, he, he uses this word prudent. And I'll read the verse in a minute. But I want to tell you about prudent. A prudent person in the Old Testament, which is that first half of, of the Bible, is a person that understands that all of life is connected, right? 
that the things that happened in my past have bearing on my present and on my future. A prudent person understands that what happened yesterday impacts tomorrow. What happened on that one spring break back in the 12th grade, that one summer of, quote, love, that, that, that what happened in Vegas didn't actually stay with, with me in Vegas. It came back home with me, and it impacts the future. A prudent person is a person that understands that what I'm doing today will eventually become my past, and it will show up in my future Uh, whether I wanted it to or not. And the prudent person understands that if you're going in a certain direction, it's a pretty good idea of where you're going to end up. And so Solomon says in Proverbs 14, verse 8, the wisdom of the prudent, those future-oriented people, those people who are paying attention, that know life is interconnected, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. Now let me tell you what ways are. Ways are behaviors, they're patterns, they're, they're habits, they're, they're trends, they are what make us predictable to our parents and to our kids and our friends and everybody has ways and habits and patterns and, and paths and here's what Solomon is saying, the wise person, the person that is prudent, he or she gives thought to his ways. In other words, he pays attention to how he does things, how she manages things, because the prudent person knows that the best indicator of my future behavior is what? My my past behavior. So if I were you, if I were you, I I would know this. And if I want to know where I'm actually going to be, all I have to look do is look back to where I've been and what direction I'm heading in because there's a principle called the principle of the path. And the principle of the path says uh, direction, not intention, not promises. Direction determines destination. So it doesn't matter what I say or what I commit to unless I'm actually going the right way. There's a path I'm on. And the prudent person pays attention to the path because the path has a destination. And, and the path has, where it ends up has nothing to do with where you intend. It's about where you, what you actually do. So when the prudent person pays attention, not just to commitments and words and promises because those don't indicate really anything. He pays attention to his path. But second part of the verse, but the, fo- but the folly or the, the foolishness, the stupidity, if I can use that harsh of a word, of fools is deception. Now, standing alone, this verse doesn't make a lot of sense, but here's the point, that whereas the prudent person is paying attention to its habits and its patterns and, and her, uh, her, 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 her ways, the trends of her, his or her life, the fool, on the other hand, doesn't pay attention to any of that at all, doesn't even know that that's a thing. So what, this is what he's saying. The fool thinks, you know what, regardless of how my life has been going up until now, none of it, none of it, none of it really matters about what the future. Regardless of how I've lived my life up until now, there's going to be a day I'm going to be able to flip on this switch and everything's going to change for me. And I, I don't know how and I don't know why, but there's no point in trying to evaluate where I've been or where I'm at right now. It's, it's going to have no impact on the future. That's what Solomon says a fool does. The prudent pays attention to his path. The second verse is much like this, but it's even more direct. Proverbs 14, 15, he says, the simple believe anything. Now, single people, I'm not going to suggest that you are simple. I'm certain that all of you are sophisticated, well-adjusted, well-intentioned human beings, fantastic human beings, but I got to tell you this, that when you fall in love it's possible that you'll believe anything because science tells us that when we fall in love, when we're dating somebody and they're like, they're like blowing our minds a little bit, that we get a ton of dopamine to the brain, y'all. Dopamine. And the first part of that word is, is dope. 
But not like, it's dope. It's like, it's dope. This is, means okay, you know what I'm saying? We get a shot of dopamine, so we're basically, for the first few months of being in love, we're basically stoned the entire time. And our bodies did this to us. We're so in love, and we have our favorite song, and we finish each other's sentences, so everything's going to be awesome. And your parents are going, yeah, but does he have a job? I'm just talking to my girls today. And you're going, he doesn't need a job. We have a song. Yeah, but, but what about her track record with the last guy she dated? It doesn't matter. When we hold hands, they fit perfectly. It's fate. He got a butterfly, too, even before I did, before we even met each other. We met each other. We both have butterfly tattoos. Boom! Mind blown! See, see, what happens when we get engaged, we fall in love, and what happens is we lose a little bit of our mind. So when you move, lose your mind in love, you know what happens you can believe almost anything. That's what Solomon's saying here. So the guy comes in and says, you know, I know I haven't been good at this. I never did do this. I really haven't had much of a job, but I'm really awesome at video games. Just talking to my girls. But if, if you marry me, I'll change. I'll be fine. I promise. But the prudent person is going, yeah, but let's talk about your paths. Let's talk about your ways. The in love person says, I'm going to focus on your promise. And Solomon says, listen, I'm all for love. He wrote a whole book called the Song of Solomon, right, which is a book of love, right? But, but, but he says the prudent person doesn't believe everything that he hears. They're like, no, no, I'm going to do a background check. I'm going to hire a private investigator, and I'm going to need your financial records. Just talking to my girls today, just giving them words that I want them to know. So, so, so listen to what he says in the next part of this verse. He says, the simple believe anything, but the prudent, there's that word again, give thought to their, say it, steps, ways, steps. You know what that, why that's an important word? Because when you look at a person's steps and you can follow their steps, you can, de- you can determine a path. And at the end of the path it is a destination. It's not about what they say. It's not about what they promise. It's not about what they commit. It's about where their steps are going. And the wise person, the prudent person, gives thought to their steps. And, and, and here's the thing. The paths people choose trump the commitments they make. Every single time the paths people choose trump the commitments they make. And when you look at your life, when you examine the lives of the people you're dating, the the prudent person is looking at the steps. And the question is not where have they been or what have they committed to or what have they promised. The question is where have they been and where are they headed? I want you to commit now to become somebody who can keep your commitments later. I want you to commit now to becoming the person that you're looking for is looking for. So, So here's what I want to do with the remaining few moments. I want to go through a list of things that I think you should pay attention to. This is just my thoughts. Uh, to be prepared to make and keep your commitments. So if I were you, if I were you, I would learn, and this is a hard one, that you need to address your unresolved childhood issues. Those of you who've lived a little while now, you know that we all have baggage, hurts, habits, hang-ups that we drag into our lives. Many of them have come to us from our own childhoods. Even if we had good childhoods, there's still things that people say to us. There's things that teachers did. There's things that kids at school did 
there's things that a boyfriend or girlfriend did and, and there's some baggage and, 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 and this is a big category. This is a series of messages really and, and, but we're just gonna give a little bit of thought to this. Doctors Les and Leslie Parrott, a married couple that are incredible Christian psychologists, they say this, if you attempt intimacy without first becoming a whole or healthy person, that's what they mean by whole, all of your relationships will feel like they have a hole in them. And here's what they're saying is if you attempt, attempt to move towards intimacy whilst dating, and I'm not talking about physical intimacy. I'm talking about I'm giving myself to you and you're giving yourself to me and I'm going to take off the mask and I'm going to let you see who I really am. If you attempt that without first addressing the other stuff, your relationships will feel like there's something missing from them. I promise you this is a fact. And the number one thing that you can do to get to a place where you can say yes and to mean it is to become whole and healthy. And for most of you, that means turning around and facing and addressing issues from early childhood or from, from early adulthood. And the best way I can tell you to do that is in groups. Maybe you go to a counselor or maybe you go to a group, we have them around here. We just started them a few weeks ago. We, one of the groups that we have, and we have multiples of this group, is called Freedom. And in Freedom, man, we get help and, and ha- to, to, to deal with and to address the hurts, the habits, the hangups of yesterday. Uh, just, just a show of hand, how many of you in this room have been through one of our Freedom groups? Would you raise your hand if it, if it helped you, if it changed your life in any way? Yeah, a lot of you in the room today. I think we have 50 or 40 in groups, that group right now. And, and I've been through it, and it's changed my life. And so what I'm trying to get at is that in order to be able to fulfill the commitments you make, at some point in your life, you're going to have to address the mess. There's a, there's a mess back in the, our, our background. And so whatever you got to do to address that, man, go for it. Counselor, therapy, help, whatever, go for it. Uh, the second one, because I'm just talking to my girls today, this might be offensive and some of you might be going, dude, you're too old and you don't have the right to say that, but listen, I'm a dad, I'm going to talk to my girls today, okay? So if you don't like this one, just tune out and just pretend like I don't say it. Ladies, I want to talk to you for a minute. Here's what you needed to get ready. Don't dress like a commodity and don't put up with being treated like one. Don't, 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 get, don't, don't, ever, don't ever take being treated like a commodity. If you're dating and, and you get in the habit, I'm talking to my girls, y'all with me all right? Of being treated like a commodity, guess what's going to happen when, you're get, when you get married? Your husband is going to do the same thing. If he dated you like a commodity, he's going to treat you like a commodity. And you should have no tolerance, ladies, for being treated like a commodity, none at all. I'm just talking to my girls. And this may go back to step one where you have to go through and figure out why that you're thinking like this. But you, you need to do this. And listen, listen, I like to fish a little bit. I'm not great at it, but I still like to do it. Uh, let me give you a tip from the world of fishing. Do you know how a fisherman determines what to bait his hook with? What he's fishing for, right? That's deep, wasn't it? Really deep. Really deep. So let, let me tell you something. If, if you fish with your bodies, you're going to catch body snatchers every time. Like if on social media you troll with your bodies or your sexuality, you're going to catch trolls every single time. I thought there was some dad in the room that would be like, yeah, yeah, you better hear that. And this is what you're going to say after you, you catch a troll or you catch a body snatcher or whatever. You're like, all dudes are the same. Men are all the same. Men are all the same. No, no, no. Just the ones you ask out are the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, so, so single ladies, let's take the last five guys that you went out with. It's you and him, and then you and him, and then you and him, and then you and, okay, you got it, right? 
what's the common denominator after all this? You. I told you this is going to be, I'm just talking to my girls. So let me tell you this. You are so much more than a body. Save the body for later. I'm telling you, save it for later. Don't troll with your body. There's, that's a no win for you. Troll with your love for God, your passion for God. Troll with your intelligence and, and your heart and your personality and your skills and, and all of this. You have so much going for you. You don't troll with your body because you're going to end up in the same kind of relationships. Yeah. Over and over again. And you're going to get jaded and say, yeah, all men are pigs, and many of them are, but there's a lot of men who actually aren't pigs. Come on, men. Amen? And here's the thing, and going back to the point of message, I want you to be prepared to keep the promises that you make, which means you've got to marry somebody who's prepared to keep his promises. And if you catch him with your body, and by the way you dress, you're going to have to keep him with your body and by the way you dress. And I have some bad news for you. As cute as you may be now, I better move. I'm going to move. I'm going to move. I got to find a way out of this hole that I've dug, dug for myself. Next thing I want to tell my girls, so I want you to be happy and I want you to be married well, is if I were you, I'd, I'd get out of debt before I got married. What? Yeah. I'd get out of debt before. I, and I would make him or her get out of debt two before I got married. I'm not, I didn't, I didn't get any of that. Well, I got to pay for it. <laughs> now, this is, I'm so serious about this that sometimes I don't do as much premarital counseling as I used to back in the day, but I would tell people who are, have a lot of debt, you shouldn't get married until you get out of debt. Now, here's why. You may not believe this, but trust me that you can get out of debt a lot quicker as a single person than a married person. Married people, where are you at? Amen, right? Um, you can get out of debt a lot quicker as a single person than as a married person. And if you're a single person who has so poorly managed your finances, now there's sometimes single people, man, you've had a bad break or there's been some bad luck or some, some health stuff that's happened. Look, I'm not throwing a, a rock at you, but if, listen, if you've just poorly managed and, and accrued debt for no reason, when you get married, I want you to know that's a path. That's a, that's a trend, that's a behavior, that's a way, that's a step. And it's gonna, determine, it's gonna determine so much about the future. So marriage has enough struggles of its own. The last thing you need to do is add an additional layer of stress and pressure to it with debt. Get yourself out of debt. And I'll tell you what will motivate you. If you decide, you know what, we're in love, can't wait to get married, we're gonna get married, but we're not getting married until we both get out of debt. Do you know how fast you're gonna work on getting out of debt because you wanna get married, right? You won't even believe how creative you'll get. You'll be like, tacos, I don't need you anymore. Ramen soup, yes, 29 cents. Starbucks, I love you. I'd like to marry you, but not yet. And here's the thing about it. If you honor God like that, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pay this down. We're going to get this out. He's going to bless you. He's going to help you. I'm just telling you. I'm just, I'm just talking to my girls. But if you carry unnecessary debt and crazy stuff because you got bad ways and bad steps, man, it just adds pressure. So with that, and I, and I kind of hesitate to say these next couple, but since I'm just talking to just my girls, uh, I'm going to say them anyways. Break your bad habits. If I were you, I would work on breaking your bad habits before you get married. Now let me tell you why I put this one in here. Because single people, marriage is not designed to solve any problems at all. 
doesn't solve them. That's not what it is. In marriage, the great things get better and the bad things get worse, generally speaking. It doesn't solve any problems. So if you have a bad habit now, then you're going to just have a bad habit then, but you're going to be married. You're going to drag somebody else into it. If you drank too much then, you'll probably drink too much when you get married. If you've got a prescription thing, if you've got a porn thing, if you've got an addiction thing, if you've got a gambling thing, if you've got a selfish thing, you're going to have it and you're just going to be married. So to prepare to look at somebody and say, I'm going to honor and cherish you. I'm going to commit my heart, my life, my soul to you. I'm not going to do anything to hurt you or harm you in this relationship. You better work on breaking the bad habits now. And you already know what they are. If you don't, just ask your mama and them. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Don't you hope someday that the guy you're going to marry, the girl you're going to marry, has been working on breaking their bad habits too? Don't you hope that? So why not do that on your own? And here, because he, here's what's going to happen. He'll, he'll come along and he'll say, yeah, well, you know, I, I know I got this thing over here and I, I do this other weird thing over here and I struggle with this, but baby, once you marry me, you'll be able to help me. <laughs> come on, moms, dads, where you at? Married people are like, oh, no, that's not how it works at all. And so here's what you should say if I were you. You need your mama and a counselor, not me. So go make an appointment with a counselor and talk to your mama. I'm not here to help you break your bad habits. I want to be loved. I want to be cherished. I don't want to prop you up all the days of your life. <laughs> Fellas, if it feels like I'm like angling towards the women, it's, it's because I'm talking to my girls. If I were a dad of boys, I'd, I would turn it the other way. But I'm, a, I'm just talking to my girls. You guys... With me, okay? All right. All the young dudes are like, man, I'm going to get him afterwards. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at him. I'm not sure why I did the thing there, but uh, here's why all of this is important. You say, Danny, what you're saying right now is not very loving. It's not, look, it's not meant to be loving. It's meant to be true because I'm talking to my girls and I want them to hear the truth, not to have the, it smoothed over and butted over like a Disney princess fairy tale. It's not that because here's what I want you to know about marriage. Marriage is a magnifier. It magnifies what's already there, and if it's good, it makes it better. But it magnifies, and if it's bad, it makes it worse. Everything gets more complicated. Marriage is incredible, y'all. It's incredible. It gets a bad rap by a lot of people, but it's amazing. But it is a magnifier. Last thing, and this is huge. No, no, not the last thing. Second to last thing. You can Google this yourself. This is real research. Self-control before you're married results in self-control after you're married. Do you know why? Listen, because self-control is a path. It's a behavior. It's a step. Self-control is a step. And there's so much data that suggests when it comes, and we don't use this word very often anymore, but the, the, the research is there that men and women who are very promiscuous, if I can use that word, before their marriage are far, 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 check it out yourself, are far more likely to have an affair after marriage because they didn't have self-control before they were married, so we're going to assume that because they made a promise, now they're going to have self-control. If I were you, I would pay attention to a person's self-control that you're thinking about, because the past is a better indicator of the future than a promise is any day of the week, and Solomon says the prudent, the wise, the future-oriented people who have vision, who have clarity about what they want to do with their lives, they pay attention to their ways and they pay attention to the ways of somebody that they're considering being married to. I'm going to skip this part and save it for 
just a talk between my girls because I got to go. I, I want to I say this last one for real. And of course, you're going to expect me to say this. To become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for, to become a person that can actually say yes and mean it, I've, I think you need to be very, very involved in your local church. doesn't have to be this one, just wherever. You should find a place that you align with on some level and say, I want to get involved there. And let me tell you why this is huge. You find two people who are going to church and they don't know each other and they start volunteering. Let's say they volunteer in the middle school ministry and they show up at a middle school life group in somebody's house and they're like looking around at the middle schoolers and they go, whoa, she's not a middle schooler. Praise Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And they meet each other and then they realize, hey, we have a lot of the same hopes and wishes and dreams. We have a lot of the same thoughts. We, we, we have a lot of the same ways. Because here's, here's the deal. When you, when, you, when you show up to an environment like this, it doesn't have to be this one, just environments like this and the environments that we're trying to create for children and for students and for young adults and for, for, for married people and for all sorts of people. When you, when you try to, when, when, you, when, when you create an environment like that, you're likely, you're more likely to find people whose behaviors and lifestyles and flows and ways of doing things, their behaviors and their steps are in sync with the ones that you're trying to establish. And here's why, if you go to the right places, the chances are you'll meet the right people, right? If you go to the right places, the chances are that you'll meet the right people. But listen, listen, the, the adverse is true. If you go to the wrong kinds of places, there's a, there's a fact that you'll probably meet the wrong kinds of people. And if I were you, I would do everything in my power to put God first in my life, to honor him first in my life. Of course, you expect me to say that. You're like, oh, you're a pastor. It's like a used car salesman trying to sell me a used car. No, 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 no. Listen, if I were you, I would say, God, I'm going to put you first in my life. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna do, I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to do everything I can to put you first in my life and in my heart and my home. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for people. I'm going to look for people whose ways. The Bible says when a man, man's ways please the Lord, he, he's going to prosper him. It's going to bless when a man's way, when a woman's ways please the Lord. And so I'm going to just be looking. If I were you, talking to my girls, don't want to look at them because I don't want to embarrass them, but if I were you, I would look for a person whose ways are pleasing to the Lord. And I would find somebody like that. And I, f I think if you find somebody like that, then you can make a commitment someday, a promise someday, a vow someday, and you'll actually be prepared to keep it unlike so many who are not prepared because they didn't prepare. They didn't take the time. They didn't look to the Lord for guidance and help. They didn't ask his good spirit to be their guide and their director in all the days of their lives. And so, if I were you, if I were you, I'd pay attention to the paths and the ways because they are the best indicator of the future. Can I get an amen, somebody? I'm gonna pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for this moment, for this space, for this time. God, we've been in this series for three weeks now, Lord, and we do this every year around this time simply because there's, there's almost no other area in which the enemy would love to attack and create har harm and, and hurt and habits and hang-ups than, than this area of romantic relationships. And So God, we're just praying that your good spirit would come alongside of us and would give us wisdom, would give us clarity, would help us to examine our own ways God, because we don't have to be single to think about our ways. We can be married and think about our ways. We can give thought to our ways. We can give thought to our paths, to our steps. And I'm, I'm just asking, Lord, that you would, in your spirit, for me, for me, 
that you would show me, as David prayed in, Psal- in the Psalms, that you would show me any, any wicked way, any evil way, any, any way that's not pleasing to you, Lord, any way that's harming me, any way that's hurting me and by virtue, by extension, hurting other people. I'm just praying, God, that you would help us, that you would help us to see that, Lord, that you would put a finger on the areas of my life, the steps, the ways, the, the patterns, the behaviors that's not going to lead to good outcomes and help me see them and help me course correct. And God, if I need help, then I can go to mentors, I can go to counselors, I can go to wise people, I can go to a group, I can find help in my group. And God, I just pray that you would put us with friends and people of faith, friends in faith that are going our same direction, that we can walk it out together. It just makes it so much better when we can walk it out together because we're better together, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said a good amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand, would you? Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.